Okay, we're in the the series called the High Call of Holiness, and it seems like a super uh, a hyper religious title, but I assure you, <laughs> holiness is a big deal to the Lord. And we live in a society where sin's just kind of okay, and we just kind of we can get around it, and we can just. Um, First uh, John one nine. It you ever heard that? First John one nine is if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you've got Christians and people going, you know what? I'm just going to do this, and then I'll just First John one nine it later. Well, that's just planning to sin and then get away with it. That doesn't that doesn't fly with God. He wants us to make the right decision ahead of time and say, you know what? Maybe I just should not do this at all because it wouldn't please my Father. Is that true? And so He's calling us to a higher call, right? He's calling us to step up our game, to recognize what sin really is, that it's, it's evil, it's wrong, it's ridiculous. When you look at it from the outside in, right? If you could just pull yourself out of some of those situations you got yourself in, right? I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about in your past, right? That 20 year ago thing that happened. If you could have seen the effects of that mistake you made, right? You would have talked yourself out of it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Look at David in, uh, in Samuel. David, we know the story. He was home from war, right? When, when the, at the time when kings and leaders were at war, David took a break. He was home. And his men, his leaders, his fighters were in the battlefield. Now, David's calling and anointing was fighting. It was battle, right? Before Goliath was a lion and a bear that built his faith to take down a giant. David was, he was, dare I say, he was a killer. He was a fighter. And he went after the things of God. When God said, you go take them out, he obeyed. He, he followed God. But he got tired. And he wanted to take a break. He'd been fighting a long time, and he was the king. And who's going to tell the king what to do? So he came home from battle. And he was at, at a time of war, he was home. And guess what happened? He ate everything that he could he could taste, right? He tried out all the new rooms in the house, right? He did all the hikes and the walks around the palace that he could do. He saw all the shows, listened to all the bands. He ran out of stuff to do and he was bored. Bored ought to just be a dirty word in your house, right? My kids are learning to not say, Daddy, I'm bored. <laughs> Wonderful. Here's a rag and some baseboards. Let me know when you're done. Just wipe them all down, right? We got some stuff in the yard to do. Let's get to work. It's rare they say, I'm bored because we will find something for you to do. If you're bored as an adult or as a kid, it's because you're not doing something you're supposed to be doing. Adults or children, (laughs) right? I've got some farming friends and they never ever told their parents, I'm bored, ever, because mom would find them a half acre of garden to weed, a half an acre. Well, let me know when you're done. You just don't say these things, right? You stay busy, and if you get some downtime, right, you recreate as a kid. You go to the swimming hole, the fishing hole, or something, they're they're gone, right? David was bored, and he's walking around in the nighttime, Right, late at night, and he's walking around on his rooftop, just taking a view again, and lo and behold, Bathsheba. So we're talking about this issue of sin because it, it starts with temptation. It starts with temptation, right? You can be tempted to do something 
and yet not sin, just like Jesus. Jesus was in all points tempted, yet without sin. The temptation in and of itself does not mean you're a bad person or that you're sinning. It's when you linger, right? David got to that spot with Bathsheba and he was just like, <sighs> lingered, longed, right? Come on, this is Bible. This is, this is, it's, it's, it's X rated in some cases in the Bible. It's in there. You're like, why is that in here? But he's telling us there's some stuff we're doing that's not right. And he longed for her, right? And he followed the temptation into sin and it gave birth and it, it produced death. And we've got Christians using David as an analogy. See, David sinned and God forgave him and loved him. So I'm okay. I can sin. God will forgive me and love me. I can still be a man. I can still be a woman after God's own heart. The problem is, is that David experienced a lot of death in his life from that sin. They forget about that part. God did forgive him. He did love him. God, or David was a man after God's own heart. But David experienced some consequences that if he would have seen it before, he would have just gone right to the other side of the rooftop, right? And he said, boys, get my chariot. I'm going back out to battle. I can't handle it around here anymore. Amen? If he could have talked to himself because the child that she conceived did not survive. Bathsheba's husband, who loved David, who would have died for him on any day, David had murdered. Uriah didn't survive. Come on now, David's kids had a lot of problems. One of his sons raped one of his daughters. And then the other brothers killed the, killed the son that raped the daughter. And the scripture shows that, that she, Tamar, was never right after that. She was never okay after that. <clears throat> She didn't recover. And then another son chased him out of the kingdom. And when the time when he should have been relaxing and enjoying the last years of his reign, he was running from his, for his life from his son. So don't use David as an analogy that God will just forgive and let go. God told us there's a punishment and a penalty for sin. There's consequences. He loves us. He will forgive us. But when we make wrong choices, come on, am I talking to adults and some kids that have done some stuff and realize there's some consequences to this? <clears throat> there is. We got to be careful what we're doing. Don't let anything sneak in and make seed in our hearts and in our lives because it will produce consequences that are not good in our lives. Why don't, why don't we hear this more from Christian circles? I mean, sin is, it's wrong. It's evil. It is not to be something that we try to get away with or sneak by. You don't know anybody that has gotten away with something that doesn't have to pay a consequence because this life is not the end. We will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. David, look at Hebrews chapter 4 real quick with me. Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 15. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Holiness means to be set apart. It means we look different. We act different. We talk different than the world. They're, trust me, they're begging for this. They sound like they're fighting for us to just conform, but they want somebody to stand up for truth and morality and look and talk and act different. They really do. The world hungers for us to stand up and take our place, to be set apart. Hebrews chapter four says this in verse 15. For, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, that's Jesus, as we are yet without sin. He was in all points, all points tempted. Come on, <laughs> what you're tempted with, Jesus was tempted with. 
yet without sin. That means it's possible. It's possible to be tempted and still be without sin. Is that true? It's possible. Jesus did it. Verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 2 says, For in that he himself, that's Jesus, has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus will come to our aid when we're tempted. He will help us to make the right decisions. That's good news. That means you have somebody to go to. When that temptation's bugging you, when that thing's coming back around, you say, Jesus, you were tempted with this and you were without sin. I thank you for your grace. You said you would come to my aid and help me to make the right decision. And he will give you wisdom. He will help you to walk away from some stuff. He will help you, give you the strength to say no. Come on now, you need to say no once in a while to yourself. You need to practice it. I want to hit snooze one more time. No, come on, help me with it. Say no with me. No, right? I'm going to eat that third piece of cheesecake. Everybody say it. No, right? Right? I'm going to get angry with that driver that just cut me off because they don't know how to drive. And you're going to tell yourself, no, come on. You just, you just got to learn to tell yourself, no, you can do it. I can do it, but it takes practice because it ain't easy. <clears throat> it ain't easy. Romans 8, Romans 8, chap, chap, or Romans 8, verse 1 and 2 says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law, here it is, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. Come on, we're not subject to it anymore. That's good news. Man, if you don't have that highlighted and underlined and dog-eared in your Bible, do it. That scripture can come back to you more and more and more. This law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's good news. That means you don't have to do stuff anymore that you think you need to do. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> It'll help you. It's just, like, it's just like gravity gets overcome by the law of lift in an airplane. Airplanes, for a long time, weren't even possible. Nobody wasn't, nobody was had the technology, the ability, but they figured out that the law of lift would supersede the law of gravity, right? Now we can fly all over the planet. There are laws that supersede laws that are fixed. Laws mean they work for everyone all the time. Anybody that'll work them, it's a law. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So we gotta understand this. Sin is real. It's, real. it's not a fantasy. It's not fictitious. It's not just a religious term. Sin is real. Jesus took sin very seriously because he paid a price for it. He laid down his life. And he was like, Father, if there is any other way, if, if we can do this redemption thing any other way than me having to pay this price, he knew what he's heading to. It wasn't just the physical beating. It was the separation from God to go into the depths of the earth. Father, if there's any other way, he took it seriously. We need to take it seriously. That means we need to recognize it and call a spade for a spade. Amen? This isn't right. It's not okay anymore. I am not subject to this anymore. I can lay it down. I can leave it behind. I can let it go. It is not control me because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? It's behind me. That's how you win is you speak to it the words of God. Thank you, Lord. Sin is real, it's a deceiver, sin is a killer. It's real, it's a deceiver, it's a killer. Turn to Genesis chapter two. Familiar passage, book of beginnings, Adam and Eve. 
Adam and Eve sat in the garden, told to tend it. Amen? Verse 16. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Then skip to verse 1 of chapter 3. And it says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You will not surely die. They knew exactly where this tree was, right? It's in the midst of the garden. There was no confusion on which tree it was, what kind of fruit it was. It was not to be touched. It was not, God said, don't eat it. She added, scripture later, she said, don't even touch it, which was probably a good addition that Adam may have added because he's the one that conveyed it to his wife. God told the man, don't eat it, right? And then later, Eve was formed. So Adam had to convey to his wife, this is the tree we don't, we don't eat of. And then she said, and we don't touch it. That's good advice, right? Because when, when you start handling the stuff that's the temptation, when you start looking at it and longing for it and desiring it, see, the enemy's not stupid. He came as a serpent, but he's right there at the tree. You mean this tree? Is this the tree? And she's like, yep, that's the one. We're not supposed to eat it, and we're not supposed to touch it. And he's like, you won't surely die. It's a deceiver. It's the, we're doing the same thing in our lives. You can, you, can, you can tell one more lie, it'll be okay. Nobody will find out, right? You can, you can get away with this even though you, nobody knows, nobody sees it. It's a deceiver. But with sin comes death. There's consequences that follow sin. There's consequences that follow sin. And it's important that we recognize that because if, if we could tell David, if we could be a, a whisper in his ear when he, when he saw Bathsheba over the wall and said, if you do that, you're gonna lose way more than you're willing to give. Kids and your throne and your kingdom and you're not gonna be able to build the temple, don't do it, right? You can do the same thing to yourself. You can pull out and not be deceived to think that this will be, this will be okay, right? Tell, telling you, take it seriously and avoid it. Run from it. We're not chained by it anymore, amen? We are not chained. This is good news. We can be free, totally free and safe from sin, but it's gonna require us to do some things. I think it would be wise for us to not hang around the tree we're not supposed to touch, right? I mean, why even go there? Why even go look at it and stare at it and just wonder what it would be like? I wonder if it tastes like a peach or a nectarine or a mango. I don't know. I've never had it, but it looks so nice, so pretty. Maybe if I just touched it, it would be okay because I'm not eating it. Come on now. We're doing this in our lives in areas where we're just dabbling a little bit, just a little bit. It's just not okay. It's not okay. We got to be smarter than that because there's problems on the other side of that mistake. Death comes. Yeah? It's dangerous. Verse 5. 
For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. He's standing there the whole time, not saying anything, right? Passivity is wrong. (laughs) You got to speak up. This isn't right. We can't do this. You shouldn't touch that. Don't go near it. Back up. Help your brothers and sisters out. Amen. Husbands and wives, help each other out. If you're dealing with some stuff, if you're struggling with some stuff, it'd be okay to cut some stuff out of your life. You know, there's certain friends that you're going to have to cut out of your life if you want to live right. A drug addict, um, friend of a friend, a pastor that's been serving the Lord and ministering for a long time was a drug addict for the first 10 or 15 years of his life. And, and the Lord miraculously delivered him from addiction. And he heard in his heart, he knew specifically, if I'm gonna stay clean and follow the Lord, I cannot go back to those friends. And he just separated himself. And I'm telling you, that's hard to do, right? When sometimes those friends feel like the only family you've ever had. But if he had gone back, he'd have fallen right back in the mess. There are times and in, in seasons in our lives where we have to cut things out of our lives and sometimes people to make good decisions. It's just true. You know, if you need to take the cord to your television and mail it to China, you might need to do that and just see if it comes back. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't. That might be okay. Just take, take a break. Take a break from some stuff that you're ambling through. Right? Okay. Sometimes we just got to do that. Verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they made for themselves some coverings. (laughs) They made for themselves some coverings. It's us trying to cover up what we've done somehow when really the only thing that can heal us and help us is the blood of Jesus. And he did shed his blood and his, his mercy and his blood does cover our sins. But as believers now and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's asking us to step up to the high call of holiness, to not continue to believe that we're just humans and there's nothing we can do about it. We're just going to sin. And, and there's preachers even saying this morning, there's nothing you can do about it. You probably sinned this morning and it's okay. And I'm telling you, it's not okay. It's not okay. He will forgive you and he will bless you, but there is death and destruction that come with making bad decisions, especially ones that we continue to make over and over and over because we know better. We know better. So this isn't a downer message. This is a, I can be free from this. There is such freedom in walking clean before the Lord, right? You sleep good. Your heart's right before him. Right, you're making an effort to strive and be more like Jesus every day. He's the standard. He's not an unattainable, unreachable savior. He's the standard that we're trying to live up to. And we have all sinned. We're kidding ourselves if we've said we've never sinned. We're liars if we've said we've never sinned. But the goal is to say no to the stuff that so easily snags us, so easily snares us. And we can so do it with the word of God. The word of God is the answer. Believing what he said and speaking it out of our mouths. Agreeing with what God said. Man, that's the answer. It's the answer. Amen? I, I remember um, just being in junior high and I was hanging around with this, this friend, you know, kind of a rascal, and he just liked to find trouble, it just seemed like. And when you're around people that like to find trouble, guess what? Trouble finds you, right? And I don't even know how it all worked out. I'm going to I'm going to guess pretty strong it was my praying mama, but somehow that relationship just 
severed and just dissipated, right? Because in your eighth grade, you're not making the wisest decisions in the whole world. I didn't have this epiphany like, I need better friends, right? I did not. I did not have that. But my mama knew, right? And somehow this relationship just severed and we separated. The paths that we took were so drastically different. It could have been me, side by side, right? Highway to hell, singing it the whole way, could have been. I wouldn't have been the only preacher kid to go off the rails that I've ever known. But the Lord separated that relationship. I'm telling you, it was a God thing. Parents, pay attention to who your kids are hanging out with and where they're hanging out. Come on now, unless you know that family really well, your kids probably should not be hanging over there without you knowing about it or what's going on. Okay, come on now. You're responsible for your kids, not somebody else's attitude about, well, you just think you're too good for my son. Right? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, we've had those conversations. Like, it has nothing to do about you and your son. I'm responsible for my kids, right? You're responsible for your kids. I have to stand before the Lord and say, I did my very best to help them, to guard them, to keep them. I'm not talking about sheltering them, right? And just turn them into like bubble kids where they just can't bump into anything. I'm talking about kids that are protected by their parents, who they're hanging out with, their influences. They're gonna get it from the outside anyway. Let's pay attention to the stuff we can control. Thank the Lord for helping me, amen? Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give place to the devil in your lives, and in your kids' lives, guard where they're at. Help, help them make good decisions when their brains are forming and they're not making good decisions, right? Help them, put them in good situations, true? Same with us. We've gotta be in good places, good situations. We can do that. We can do it. Okay, here's a couple of things I wanna share with you. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a way, there's an, there's an attitude and an ability to go after the things of God and to push sin out of our lives. And it comes with this acronym FAR, F-A-R, FAR, right? Be far from sin, okay? But the, but the F in this FAR, this acronym, uh, the best way to say it is to, be, to follow the leading of the Lord, to follow the leading of the Lord. If we wanna be far from sin, we need to follow the leading of the Lord. He will lead you and guide you and direct you. You remember the Lord's Prayer? Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen? God's not, God is not a tempter. The Bible says when you're tempted, do not say that you are tempted of God because he tempts no man. But Jesus said, lead us not into temptation because he's asking the Lord to lead us away from things that might cause us some problems. Amen? And if we will follow the Lord and his leading, he will lead us away from relationships, away from jobs, right? Away from uh, places where we shouldn't live or rent or buy. He will lead us away from things that will be challenging to us. He will. He'll help us. The enemy is constantly working on trying to get us off track and off course. He's got stuff set up for your future that's designed to derail you. And you can hear one word from the Lord and not even show up when he had it all set up. You're just not even in town because you were listening to the Lord and he told you to not even go there. So this, all this preparation and that he set up to get you off track and cause you some problems, you didn't even, you didn't even show up. And he's like, Man, it just it's so frustrating to him, and I love it. I love to frustrate the enemy because his plans are bad for us, and God's plans are good for us. So if we're going to be far from sin, we've got to learn to listen and follow the leading of the Lord. 
And we will, in this church, we will cycle back to being led by the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, it's one of the most critical things believers can learn is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because he will lead you out of trouble and into victory. Come on, he will, he will help you in every single area of your life. Follow the leading of the Lord. Amen? Now, the Bible still says that we will be tempted, right? He's leading us. We're right where we're supposed to be doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing in the right place at the right time. And a temptation will still come up. Because if Jesus couldn't avoid it, neither can you, right? Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness and he was tempted. And the very, the very word tempted means that it was a temptation to Jesus to turn the bread into, or the rocks into bread. It was a temptation to him to take the devil up on his offer and be the ruler of the world without having to go to the cross. The temptation was there. It was real. And Jesus responded correctly. So even when you're right smack in the middle of God's will doing exactly what you're supposed to do, following him, temptation's still gonna come up. It's still gonna come up, but God will help us, amen? He's our helper, he's our aid. The A in far is to avoid the temptation. And it's similar to this following of the Lord, but there are things in our lives where you might be doing exactly what the Lord told you to do and you'll get a temptation uh, to go over here and visit a friend. And I'm telling you, sometimes you just gotta avoid the temptation to make these quick decisions, quick judgments. No, hold on. Why, why am I tempted to do that? If it wasn't pleasing and enticing and desirable, we couldn't call it a temptation, right? I am not tempted to eat Brussels sprouts at all. There's no temptation. Zero, right? Zero. There's no temptation. But there are temptations in us, all of us, to taste things, to try things. It's enticing. It's, it's meant to draw us away from our plans and our purposes that we have in the Lord, Right? And we just got to learn what are the things that are our snare, what, what likes to get a hold of us and avoid those things, right? We talked a little bit about this last, last week, that uh, if drinking is a problem, you just don't go hang out in a bar, right? If smoking is a problem, you just move out of Washington State, right? If, you know, if there's things, <laughs> if there's things that, that are a problem for you, then you just avoid these things. You avoid these situations, true? It's true. Thank you, Lord. I remember, um, <clears throat> I remember, uh, like our girls, um, we have like this pantry and it's multiple shelves because our ceilings are nine foot. And we, so we have shelves that are really high. And when we get uh, like snacks, we'll bring home snacks and goodies from, from wherever, Costco or the store. We usually put them as high as possible, right? So that they can't, the little ones, especially my, my 11 year old is like five, two, she can reach darn near everything I can. And so she has no problem getting up and getting the snacks. But the little one, the three-year-old, she'll just wander around the house and she'll just, all of a sudden, she'll have like chocolate raisins in her hand. I'm like, where did you get those? And she had <laughs> snuck it out, right? And it's, we're learning that even though they have, we have rules, like you can't, you're not supposed to go in there and at, get food without permission, that the temptation is real, <laughs> right? I mean, it's almost unfair to just leave it on the counter and be like, no, right? I mean, that's just, let's, let's help her out a little bit, right? And so we're learning to put things in different places so that the temptation is less and less of a pull for her. So she's just not snacking on these little things that she wants all the time, and she's actually eating good meals. And the same thing's true with us. There are things that we just need to put out of reach, right? Or, or with somebody, something that you might actually need to use at some point, you might need to put in somebody else's hands so that they know when you come to use it, whatever that is. Sometimes that's a laptop, a computer. You might need your family member to help you, to guard you with how much time you spend on a laptop. Is that true? 
I mean, there's so much stuff in here you can get in trouble with. Girls, guys, whatever. Come on now. You can get in trouble with unadulterated access to the internet. Is it true? I was just talking to a, one of my family members yesterday. We had a uh, reunion. And um, we were just talking about the prevalence of immorality and how it just feels like it's just really gotten stronger and stronger and stronger uh, in our day and age. And it's, it is true. I mean, there is definitely a pervasive spirit that's caused some problems in our society. Amen? You seen it? And pornography is one of the big ones. And so we were talking about that. And I'm like, you know, it was this, this issue was available 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. The, the, the problems were out there. The, the, um, the problems that pornography causes, the, the, the just out, outright sin that comes out of pornography, that comes from just immorality, you know, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, all these things, right, where people are just confused about who they are and who God made them to be and just even the gender stuff we're dealing with, right? This stemmed from human beings just having more and more and more unadulterated access to what was wrong, and it fostered in them. Don't believe the lie that people are just born a certain way. Come on now. The plumbing tells you exactly how you were born, right? And in Genesis, God showed us exactly how two people are supposed to come together to procreate and to continue to build the earth, right? And, and make it fruitful. Is that true? I mean, is God right or not? And so this is, this is the truth of where we live. But there has been more and more access to this Pornography. I mean, just plain and simple. There's been more and more access. So the more people indulge in it, the deeper into sin they get and the more perversion there is and it gets worse and worse and worse and it snowballs. Do you see where we're at now because of this? It, it's an epidemic. It's a problem. That's why the church needs to look different. We need to act different. We need to put checks and balances in place, right? And so back to this, this whole computer thing. Like if you're struggling with some stuff on the computer, you need to have that baby out in the middle of the living room where everybody can see what you're doing. Because sin wants to hide, right? Sin wants to get alone where nobody can see. Come on now. You want to be wise about it? You want to avoid temptation? Get some stuff out in the open. Is that true? Can I be real? I mean, this is just stuff we're dealing with that people don't want to talk about. We got to talk about this stuff. We got to get it out in the open. Sin does not like to be exposed. The darkness does not like the light because the light exposes it for what it is. And that's exactly what we need is the truth to be told and darkness to be exposed. Yes? Man, it's so, it is so possible for you to get free. If you're struggling and dealing with stuff, agreeing with what God said and believing it and putting checks and balances in your life will absolutely eradicate that stuff from your life. And you'll, you'll just stay on that path and you'll get clean and free. And you'll look back in a year and you'll be like, man, I feel good. Man, this feels good to be clean and right before the Lord. It does. And telling you, there's just something about it. So avoid it. Avoid it. Proverbs says this in, in chapter 5. Well, for, let me give you Romans 13 first. Romans 13, verse 14 in the New Living says, Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and do not let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Got to guard your thoughts, man. It's so important. Proverbs 5 says this. Verse 1, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Let your, lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But, the, but, in, the, but in the end, she is bitter and wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, 
Her ways are unstable. Do not know them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and do not let and do not go near the door of her house. It's it's specific and it's metaphoric. It's talking about adultery and going after an immoral woman. And it's also talking about sin, that it is it's deceptive. It sounds smooth like honey, right? But when you get there, you find out this was not what I thought. It's you know, the sin, Bible says sin is fun for a season. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but guess what? Payday comes and you find out that was not worth it. Oh, anybody ever had food poisoning accidentally, right? And when you ate what you ate, it tasted good, but then you were like, Jesus, help me. I should have never eaten this. Like you got to pay for that for like 12 hours. Anybody? I mean, you wish you could go back and just slap yourself and say, don't eat that, right? Get a corn dog instead. This is bad. Don't eat the mayo, right? And, and sin is just like that. It tastes good going down, and then you're like, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. I'm paying for that right now. True? And sin is just like this. And he says, don't even go near it. One translation says, don't even go into her neighborhood, right? Because you just, well, look at here. How did I end up here? You are lying to yourself. You were planning on going to that neighborhood before you left the house, right? You were planning on doing that a long time ago, and you just innocently like, well, look where I am. Imagine that. I'm telling you, the Lord will speak to you when you're making plans like that and say, don't do that. That's bad. It's food poisoning, right? It'll taste good going down. You'll pay the price. It's not okay. He'll forgive us. He'll love us. He'll hold us with open arms. There's a price to pay and we've got to be aware of it. Amen. The third, the third in the far is R, is resist the devil. The Bible says that if we will submit to God, right, and resist the devil, he will flee. But we have to submit to God. We have to submit to his way of doing things, that he is right, that sin is not okay. We cannot call ourselves sinners anymore. We're saints. We're redeemed. We're adopted. Blood bought by the blood of Jesus. Come on. So we're not sinners anymore. You can't be both. Stop agreeing with what the world says about you. Start agreeing with what God says about you. I'm an adopted son. I've been made right in the image of God Almighty. And, he, and the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This thing that has bound me and held me that I know is wrong. Come on, I'm not talking about just physical stuff. We do stuff in our emotions, in our thoughts, in our beliefs that are wrong. Think about just, just the word worry. We use it in cliches. Worry is sin. He said, do not worry. Do not be anxious for anything. It is, a, it is a sickness in your bones. It will cause you to be torn up, turmoiled. Come on now. He said, give everything to him. Be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to him. And then when you do that, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. When you do that, you can't just say, Lord, the peace of God guards my heart and my mind, even though I'm worrying right now and totally disobeying your word. This guard my heart and my mind. No, he said, give it up. Give it up. It's sin. We can't let these little things go. It's so easy. It is so easy to get distracted with the affairs of life and the busyness. And like, oh man, this happened in this relationship and what's going on there and this supplier didn't show up and oh man, what's going on? It's so easy. Man, you gotta just be dogmatic. Be like, I'm not worrying about that. That is out of my hands. I am, I am giving this to the Lord. Amen? I'm just, I am not letting it go. Is that true? Thank you, Lord. Resist the devil. That's right. Resist the devil. 
I'm telling you, he'll flee. He flee. He fleed from Jesus. He fled. I like fleed better. He fled from Jesus, right? He fled from Jesus because Jesus resisted him three times in a row. He put it to him. His be- he took his best shot. And every single time Jesus said what? It is written. You need to say it is written, right? There's a book full of scripture that is an it is written for your situation. What, no matter what you're dealing with, there is an it is written for you and you need to go in there and find it. Don't rely on me. You go find it. God will show you this is your it is written right here. And when the devil sh- shows up and he tempts you with something, he puts something in front of you, you say it is written, right? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from sin and death. It is written. And he, I'm telling you, he will not stick around. The devil will flee. You resist and he will flee. But we've got to follow the leading of the Lord. We've got to avoid tempting situations and we've got to resist when they show up because they're going to show up. Even when you're doing everything right, you're following the Lord, you're doing what's right, a temptation will still show up to sin. It'll still show up to get you off course. Right in the middle. Come on, the, the disciples were in the middle of the sea doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And the wind and the waves blew in a storm and it was crashing in the boat and it looked like they were gonna sink and they were tempted, right? And succumbed to it to be afraid for their lives. And Jesus said, why are you afraid? And he rebuked the wind and the waves. If you are right smack in the middle of God's will, there's gonna be storms, there's gonna be temptations, there's gonna be opportunities to veer off, to act wrong, think wrong, to get off track. Resist the devil. It is written. It is written, right? And he will flee. This is how we win. It's active, it's intentional, it's on purpose. I know in a, in, in a church like this, come on now, we've got stuff in all varied areas that we're dealing with, right? My, my hope for us is that it no longer becomes a struggle. It becomes a way of life where we just reject it. <laughs> we reject it. That sin that so easily besets us, it's no longer a struggle for us anymore because We are resisting it. We're following him, we're avoiding temptation, and we're resisting the devil. And those things that used to pull us and were so easy to get us off track, they can't do it anymore. They can't pull anymore because you've got an end is written in you. Amen? The scriptures in you, it is written. It will change everything. This word changes everything in our lives. If we'll put the time in it, we'll be committed to it. Jesus was committed to the word. He knew what the word said right? He learned about who he was from the word. Man, that's good news. Amen? James 1.12 says this, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when, he has, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's going to be some temptation you're going to have to endure. And I promise you, Jesus said in his scripture, he said, I will aid you. I was tempted and I will aid you. I will help you. This is, this is why we're in that series, is Jesus saying, come on, you can do this. You can break free of this. I paid the price for you. You can do it. There's, it is possible, amen? And when we believe that, it becomes possible. If we stay in that, I'm just a sinner and there's nothing I can do about it, it's just my, it's just my flesh. I, there's nothing I can do about it. You will stay in that mess. The second you see, God, redeem me, Jesus, redeem me, I can walk free of it. I can say no to myself. I can say no to my flesh. I can say no to that temptation. Then you start coming out. Is this helping anybody? Come on now, we just need to be clean, clean, clean as we can be, following after the kingdom of God because he's got stuff for us to do. And sin clogs the pipe of communication before the Lord. It keeps us from fulfilling the destiny that he has for us. Not because of him, because of our choices, 
but we can walk free of it. Amen? And if you mess up, I'm not going to condemn you. There's no condemnation to those who are love Jesus, right? Who are called according to his purpose. There's no condemnation. But listen, recognize you're not stuck in that loop. Ask for forgiveness, just like 1 John 1, 9 says. Ask for forgiveness, walk away from it, and keep going. Amen? You can do it. We can do it. God is good to us. There, and there are rewards. So next week, we're going to talk about the rewards of being an overcomer. There are specific scriptures talking about those that overcome. It's a reward. You'd want to know what the reward was, what? wouldn't you? If you're going to run a race and there's a prize at the end, right? If they're going to give you a cough drop at the end, might not be worth running the race. Cough drop? Seriously? I could find one of those on the floor underneath one of your chairs, right? We want to know what the rewards are because it, it, it determines how much effort we're going to put in for the future. I'm telling you, God doesn't give out cough drops for rewards. He doesn't give out participation trophies either, right? When he gives a reward, it's valuable, it's worth something, and you will wear it for all of eternity because he's saying, they obeyed me. This is their reward. It's good news. It's a good reward. Amen? So we're going to see that next week and see it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it to follow after him, to be clean, to walk clean, to sleep good at night. It's worth it. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for you.